0: Hey, Lily, it's half term here in the UK. The schools are going on holiday and lockdown has eased up a bunch. Are you going to get a chance to leave the house?
1: Absolutely. Yes, we are going away for a few days and I cannot wait. How about
0: you? Well, by the time people actually hear this episode, I'll be aware somewhere where there's no internet for 10 days in Scotland. I mean, they have internet in Scotland. Just (laughs) there's no real reception where we're going to be.
1: Nice. So how are you going to get there?
0: Uh, Well, we're driving. And as I've never been there, we need a map.
1: Oh, I see what you did there. That's very old school using a map. But anyway, you're discovering a new place and you're using a map to guide you. Kind of like how today's guest approaches things. Uh, We've got service design consultant extraordinaire Simon Wilson telling us how he uses mapping as a core part of his work.
0: Yeah, I was lucky enough to do a project with Simon last year, and I loved this approach. So no more blathering. Let's get right to it.
1: The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product.
0: Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love.
1: Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos.
0: Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more.
1: Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you.
0: Simon, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, no, thanks. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Thanks as well, Lily. (laughs) So for anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to work with you or talk to you or or just hang out with you, can you give us a quick intro? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing these days, and how you got into this entire product racket.
2: Oh, God. Um, Yeah, no, so um, at the moment... I'm working for um, a government department. Um, I'm a service design consultant, so I'm working for the Ministry for Housing, Communities and Local Government, which is a mouthful and the acronym because there's always an acronym. It's a government <laughs> department. Um, whenever I say it, people just look at me and think it's a pharmaceutical company or something. So if I ever say <laughs> CLG, um, I don't work for Big Pharma. Um, I work for a government department, and it's the, it's the department that's supposed to be about place. So it looks at like housing, you know, um, how we can make new houses it looks at communities you know like the places where you know we live like as people and local government as well so like you know councils and stuff like that all sort of come under its remit um i've been doing service design as um, a job maybe full, yeah full-time uh like dedicated since about um 2014 and i mean my journey into this is um, I will not bore you with all the details, but it's sort of around like um, in the first 10 years of, of this century. and it makes it sound like so much longer ago, doesn't it? Um, I worked at, Man I worked and boy. At, uh, look at you with your English references. <laughs> like you feel like you're naturalised. Um, it's like the first... Nine years or so um, of, of this decade, I worked at a design and communications agency, and like back then, like digital was just about making websites. UX, user experience, was like quite a like a, a young discipline at the time. But I worked in a place where they they really valued the ideas of design, but also like effective communications as well. So it's like nice to be in a place where I think a lot of the stuff that we look for now, like understanding how something works, you know, the performance or something, I learned a lot of that in probably like a. Avenue. And when, when I left there after about nine years, um, I'd, I knew a lot about UX, but like, again, there weren't a lot of um, opportunities out there. So I spent a couple of years in the wilderness as a project manager because, you know, you've got you to pay the bills, haven't you? <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, if you like spreadsheets, then welcome to the world of project management. Um, so I like a couple of years doing that, but it also gave me an opportunity to sort of look around and read a lot, um, you know, self-develop. And um, around that time, uh, about 2010, Um, we'd launched because back then you launched websites it's not now we're like you just do a release and then we're continually iterating you know there was a big launch um, for like a a leading housing developer in here in the UK and I toured the country I spent two weeks going around the country going to all their different regions and talking to their sales people there and the sales people were talking to me about like how service the service they offered you know it wasn't just the buildings but like talking to customers you know actually spending time with them understanding like what were paying pain points, how like touch, you know, putting them in touch with local solicitors and stuff like that. How that provided a better service. And around the same time in Leeds, there was um, these regular meetings around service design, which uh, Matt Edgar and Catherine Grace um, were were running. I went along to those, and I kind of felt like I know a lot of this stuff. I've just been doing it in like different places. So for the next couple of years, I had. Couple of bigger roles at agencies. There were like uh, there were projects I worked on where like we were starting to tap into this. We were doing air quotes UX jobs, but like we were really like also crossing like how can we use the web to make the business better? You know, make the customer experience better. So you enter customer experience, and mm-hmm. you know just just from there, I've I've just sort of really focused on that and been doing my own things since 2014, and I've I've been. I think really lucky that I've had lots of opportunities where, one, I've learned from those as well. I think, two, they've not been easy either. I think there's been really difficult stuff within that. And three, it's, I mean, we all say it's an emergent discipline now, but service design does go back a long time. I think it's just the popularity and uptake of it's there at the moment as well. So I think, like, although I feel like I've been doing it a long time, um, you know, to say I've only been, like, focused on it for six years or so, um, it's, it's, it's difficult to... Place yourself as being like a, an elder statesman and all thing. I would never say that, but I think I do have a lot of experience about a lot of stuff like how you knit the experience of um, a customer or a service user to the business side of it, which I think like is is a big missing chunk within that. And I've got that from like my experience, earlier experience in agencies at the start of the century. So it's just kind of like a nice where I floated to, to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've got to say well done on getting the acronym MHCLG out because we actually worked together on a project late last year and you told me you were going to go work with them and you could not get that acronym straight for the first two weeks. So, well done. Um,
2: I I need to admit, I still have it on a post-it on my monitor, though. Um, So so when people say it, I I do. I look down and I can can get it. I can get it. But I always look at it just to make sure I've got it right. Okay. But the the reason we asked you on today was actually stemmed from that project.
0: We did uh, because we were doing a lot of discovery work. And with your service design background, you came to it with a different perspective than I'd seen before, where we used uh, mapping as one of the core parts of it. So how did you get started with mapping? Is that just part and parcel with service design? Or was that an
2: element of it that you just gravitated towards? So so mapping, I think... Service design is generally seen as like the mapping thing, isn't it? But mapping isn't like a, exclusively a service di- design thing. Um, I'm, there's lots of management stuff that I've, I've done and I've read about as well. And you use mapping to, you know, understand like the trajectory of your company, you know, where we're going to go. You do it, you know, you use mapping for strategic reasons, really. I think one of the things that service design brings really strongly is, is that using mapping as a tool allows you to. Uh, tangibly bring together and show um, a whole range of different things so like when we work together Randy I think one of the first things we said like we want to understand like the organization don't we what's the best way of doing that well you know uh, different people work in different ways but the most like common approach to getting everyone in the same place is to do something that's visual you know and that's clear as well in that visuality that allows people to um, one look at it and understand two see what's missing, what needs to be changed. And, you know, three just add to it as well. And I think one of the things that I've, I really like about mapping, it's not the only service design thing, is I think it's just it's a perfect collaborative tool. And also maps are a thing that, you know, as, as humans, you know, we've, we've used for like, well, for, for all eternity. using like finding our sense of place, he says as a person working at the department for place, but knowing where we are and where we're going, I think a, a strong compulsions that we have as people, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'm going to go out for the weekend. Where are you going to go? How are you going to get there? You look at a map. Um, some people are really into like planning their careers. How are they going to do that? They'll have the whole thing mapped out. I think it's quite a human thing to to use maps as one a planning tool but to get to that degree where you're planning you've got to have, like have that cartography mapped out having you and the way you look at that that landscape so I think um, using mapping when we were working on that project together um, just instantly felt like as well a great way for like me and you to like just start working together you know get something down together talk about something and it's not a particularly alien concept as well I think it's a it's a great uh, Balancer, so it's a great leveler, and I think as well you can have a little bit of. I'm going to say this. I don't say it often. I think you can have a little bit of fun while you're doing it as well.
1: <laughs> so, um, so when you come up to a project or a, a thing that you're attacking <laughs> at work, um, and you're like, right, I need to map this out. Like, how do you decide how you're going to map it out, and kind of what information needs to go down?
2: Yeah, this is the bit where the pregnant pause comes in that we have to edit out later. Um, <laughs> I was, I've I, I read this question earlier, and usually, like you 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 have a discussion with a client around this sort of stuff, and you understand where it is. Um, so when it, when we're going to be looking at what we want to map, um, I think one of the the key points there is is that trying to understand like what is the what's the problem that we've got in front of us. I think usually uh, in, in my experience. I go into organizations and businesses where they, they have an idea of like, there's a problem or there's a situation. So, you know, that, that sort of stuff is, is like, you know, we've got a modernization program or, you know, we want to do some digital transformation. says, sounding like he works for Deloitte for a second. But, you know, I think there's, you, you want to kind of, you start by getting something down. But I think what I always try and look for is, is, the thing about the mapping in a service design approach is we're trying to put the customers or the users of the service like we're trying to bring them forward into people's thoughts. And I'm going to balance this in another way. If I went back like maybe 10 years ago, there were decisions that were made on some of the projects I worked on where um, we w- we'd done research and we were getting strong pressure from um, uh, powers above in an organization like you know they were designing it effectively i think like you jump forward like 10 years now um there's a definite um, stronger understanding that you know out there it's a market um the better services, the services that work better for the people who use them, you know, that help them better, you know, all these other like positive affirmations. They're the ones that do, you know, work better and they will draw people more to it. I remember like saying four or five years ago on a stage, I think we, we were, we were just about to enter, I think a key like first five years of. Service design was starting to gain traction, and you could see a number of companies realizing that providing a better service would actually be their USP in, a some, in, you know, in some way, and you know, they would be able to use that um, in some way to, to market that. I mean, look at what BT are doing now. Um you know, BT are really, really going for it. You know, they're they're really looking at like how service design can just change their whole organization, you know, not just change a little arm fit. And I think that, I mean, I would have thought that would be there in like um in another five years' time, but you know, to have an organization that size that technically does provide public services, it's not a government service, but provides public services, that for me kind of sets an interesting stall out. And you hear like stories of how bringing this thinking and bringing this approach to um, work. I've heard like electricity companies like spinning little teams up um, and saying like, you know, what if we were to redo our, you know, our, our, our dashboard for customers, they go and just start right back at the beginning. So like, let's understand um, our customers. Let's understand who our customers could potentially be as well. And let's understand the journeys that they go through in their lives. And like where we would complement that and where we will supplement that. I think like, bringing that straight away to the fore, like really helps. Um, when Randy and I worked together, um, To move quickly, we spoke to some of the staff that actually were at the front line, you know, that were on the phones, that were manning the emails. And we said to them, talk to to us about the people that um, come to you. Tell us what works for them and also tell us what doesn't work for them. You know, and it's easy to sort of distill off the back of that a user journey and understand where the organization is succeeding, but also where the organization could be better as well and you sort of start to then peel back the layers of the organisation as well you know you want to understand things like the organisation what's its what's its like approach what's its tone all organisations have a tone you know it's usually represented in the brand if it's a reflective brand what's the structure of the organisation is it flat you know is it like I uh, I don't know is it, it dictator led and um, what are the people like within there? you know, um, is there biases? Is there equality? Are the business goals, for example, you know, is it actually this arm of the business that we're looking at actually has to like increase its profit? And off the back of that, we need to say, you know, the financial side of it is, is a big part of it. What can we do to make um, the service we're working on um, f- sustainable financially, but also capability wise do we have the people with the right skills do we need to bring the people with the right skills as well and then looking further afield because i've used the word sustainability what does it actually take to run this service you know in terms of like resources and i don't mean that in a people sense but in terms of like electricity servers you know what's the cost on the environment all these sort of other things
1: so that's a awful lot of, um, yeah, <laughs> awful lot of questions <laughs> and information to get into one map. Um, just thinking about the sort of, you know, where to get started. Um, See, so
0: really, this is why he's a consultant. He's able to make it sound like it's really complicated and we need him for a long time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's only really there for two or three months. But I, I've, I always go back to this first thing is, is like, if you can only do one thing, go and speak to frontline staff and understand the things that work and the things that don't work. Speak to them. And I always feel like that's the best place to start because off the back of that, you can then start to build out the successes and the failures of the organization. And you can start to piece together, I think, some user journeys. I think with those two, Components. I think it's a really like compulsive start to like start building like, you know, all these other layers around it as well. And you're not going to solve it all in one day. But I think once you get like a, a really strong thread off the back of those conversations, you know, get that sort of understanding, you can draw more people into the conversation. You can start building more around it.
1: struggling to find the answers to your product questions keen to learn from others in the community and want to know where to go next in your career mind the product can help
0: mind the product membership will help you to level up your career build better products and lead successful product teams and as the world's largest professional network for product people with decades of product management experience you won't find this anywhere else
1: as a member, you'll get exclusive access to premium editorial, product experts, and product peers tackling similar challenges, plus brand new self-paced online training modules that cover core product skills like goals alignment, prioritization, hypotheses and testing, and more.
0: For more info and to become a member today, visit mindtheproduct.com/join.
1: So, should you be doing that with the rest of your team, or on your own, or like who who should be finding that information from the frontline staff or from from whoever, and how do you then get it into a visualization?
2: Yeah, um, first thing is to just go and speak to people. Um, you know, um, I always find when, whenever I join somewhere, um, you'll have someone who's an ally. It's the person who you'll turn to them and say, like, we need to talk to some people um, who deal with customers, who deal with users, who are the best people to talk to. And they'll always have someone they point you to. They'll either point you to, like, I know this is the head of our customer service team. It could be that they point you to, I know the three people in the team that does that. They'll always give you that, you know, that first point. And it's not a case of, like, I'll just talk to that one person That's it. I think you need to talk to, like, several people and. Um, get that stuff down and um, i'm at the moment being remote like we are actually has its advantages because we can arrange um, chats through video and through phone a lot easier we can use digital canvases i know we all say we're sick of them but you know the, the thing is is that it, it's the work i've been doing recently has been incredibly sped up by that it's easier to put a video appointment into someone's calendar or the same into mine we can do a canvas on screen you know when we can do that sort of thing um the, the visual side of it is I, I sometimes worry about the, the post-itization of, of our sector, really. Um, I think at the very least, like using digital tools has, has reduced our um, our horrible, scruffy handwriting down to actually reducing it to using um, generally nice fonts on these canvases. Um, but if you've got, um, depending on much time you've got, you can start to like dig into not just like journeys and like visualizing them using pictures, if we can do that. I mean, working with councils, they they usually have stock pictures that you can sort of bring out if you want to do that. Illustrating is a really good example of doing that as well. But for for most places, most people I I talk to, just creating like a, a, a left to right, um, journey where you'll show like some journey stages. So, you know, usually you start with like someone wants to, you know, they're looking for something. They discover your service. They choose to your do your service. You know, there's that engagement, you know, you'll, you'll follow that way through. It might be you lay on top of that. There's some sort of phases within that to kind of like, you know, group together some of those journey stages. So it might be that you have 18 journey stages and you can represent those in, in five or six, which makes it a little bit easier to pull down. And then I'd always supplement that underneath that with what's the customer experience at each of those stages as well? Um, if someone is, is going through this journey, what do we hear to... To you know what can we do to embellish that with real life stories off the back of that and i 'd always want to if we've got a, if we 've got a chance speak to some of the people using the service as well i mean that 's always got to be the goal to do in it so talking to frontline staff is definitely the first stage, and you want to find those doors that they can open where can they put us in touch with some customers? Um, it might be that the next time that they're talking to some customers on the phone, could we actually plant a couple of questions for them to ask as well? Um, step back a little bit. Is there a possibility that we could actually go, you know, to um, someone within the organisation and find out if we've got any relationships with any potential users or customers as well? And, and the other side of that is is that um, engaging, like you know, some some wider recruitment. So you know cast the net out or engage with a recruitment company to bring it in, but I think once you've got those that very sketchy um those phases those stages and you 've got some um experiences that have been passed to you by the the frontline staff I think then you're in a position where you can start saying like right now we want to like kind of keep building around this um and and you yeah, you just you just keep going down and down and down to the point where you start organ start organizing stuff and saying like We've spoken to 10 people, and at this point of the of the journey, they're hitting this problem. And you'd pull that out and say there's an opportunity there for us to explore something, you know, and you, you go through the whole thing. To, to, to flip it as well, because I do think, like, you know, you should kind of talk about the things that are working because it helps you prioritise what you want to focus on and not focus on. This thing over here is really working. What's that? It's an email. You know, that's working at the moment. Well, that's fine. Let's leave that over there for the time being. I think it helps you. Um, work through what are the actual problems you need to solve, and I think within that is also gives you the opportunity to do some analysis to break down. If we were to solve this problem, what would be the advantages? And I think that goes into some of the business and organizational structure stuff I was saying before. Sometimes we look at a problem and say that's the most important problem to solve, but because of business reasons, you know, it might be there's a huge cost against it. We can't do that straight away. But then, like that's the point where the whole map becomes uh, a tool that the team uses together to work through what they need to do, what they can do, and what they should do. Okay, you've shared an awful lot, Sai.
0: So I'm going to try and, and rein you back in and let's tackle some of this in a slightly simpler way. Yeah. Um, because you've started, to, you talked about customers, talking to customers, talking to staff, and looking at lots of other things. Where do you start? You said you probably start with talking to to staff, maybe. But how many staff? How many people do you need to talk to? How deep do you go into this? How many personas do you create? Let's let's try and do some of the the simple starting points and
2: yeah, uh, yeah, overall yeah. ethos. Um, depends on the size of the organization. Um, mm-hmm. Depends on the. It depends on your focus. Um, If we were going in to work at a council and they had a service and there was a team of, say, five staff within that team and they were all uh, customer-facing, then i'd start with just those five staff and i'd go no further than that because why why would we go any further and um, that's that's a clear like barrier around that and um, always start small um mm-hmm. i don't think there's anything where you'd want to um go really really wide but i think one of the things around discovery is you want to do and i say this in a vague way you want to do just enough research where you understand um not just the good stuff, but I think you've got to understand like the, the scope and shape of the problem and the risks associated with those. I think you you're only in a position where you can say you understand enough when one, you understand the problem, two, you understand who that problem affects Three, you understand how that problem affects the organisation, and I think four, you understand the risks that are associated with those problems as well. And I think, like you know, they would be my my four main criteria for for, for anything.
1: And what about? Um, I've got so many questions, but I'm <laughs> just going to ask <laughs> this go. one. So um, actually, I'm going to ask two at the same time. Um, so, firstly, it sounds like such a kind of detailed, lengthy process. You know, I mean, I guess it probably depends as well, but how long does it really need to take um, to go from nothing to a useful map with, uh, you know, uh, stuff that you can use on it? (laughs) And then um, also, you know, once you have that, how do you share it with other interested parties in the business do you just pull out the information that you need or is there value in sharing the whole thing in its entirety and walking people through all of that?
2: Yeah. And um, so I always kind of view that um, a map that feels it, it tells enough of a narrative is where you get to. And I feel that particularly on like small to medium size services, I generally think you could do that in a week. Like You know, Mm -hmm. know, as a starting point, I think there are times when if you have the right people, air quotes in the room, you could do that in like a day or two, you know, with a focus, no distractions, you could do that because it's, it's a case of working through, you know, the, the stages that a user go through, you want to like, just kind of peel that through, you can make it a collaborative experience where every hour, like you're just adding to it, you're adding to it, and you're adding to it. And then having like some reflection on the second day. And then again, you know, going through like, have we missed anything? Is anything you want to embellish off the back of it? I I generally feel that, you know, the thing that that stops the most progress is that we'll have those conversations a bit over here and a bit over here and a bit over here. Um, design sprints have their pros and cons, but I think one of the things they do allow is, is, is they give people a focus, don't they? And they remove a lot of the distractions. And I think if you were to have a go at doing like a service map is is get people that represent different parts of the service in the same room, you know? And I think you could do that with five or six people say to everyone that there's no stupid questions here. Everyone can contribute to this and, you know, and just allow people to put stuff through. I've I've been in situations where the most empowered people are the people who sit at the desk usually, not the managers, because they're having an opportunity to share like their experiences, which are actually the experiences you want to draw out. And on sharing it, um, I would always look to pull out some sort of summary. Okay. I think it's kind of like the, you know, if you, if you really wanted to learn about a subject, you'd read a thin book. And then if you really liked it, you'd find a thicker book. And, you know, my map you know, the map that we've all done, that's the thicker book. I think you need to pull out some analysis and some slides mm-hmm. off the back of it that that get people that that top line view. Um and yeah. in that, you'd probably want to include like some little grabs of, you know, these are some things that we spotted in the map. And then you'd link off to it. And again, it goes back to the thing, people are are more used, particularly after the past year of like getting access to these things. IT departments have lowered restrictions so people can get access to things like um mural and MIRO as well. So you know th- those things are there. I think the the thing that gets missed a little bit is taking people through the map rather than just linking them through to it. Is yeah, if they're curious, link to it, but follow it up with like, right, we're going to have a walkthrough of this as well. And I think that's a harder thing to do digitally, strangely, because in you know if you go back to when we're offices, we would have printed it out on a plotter or something, or it would be like a big sheet of brown paper with post its, and we'd just like start on the left and work our right way through. So I think like that, that's definitely one of the the more tiring things that we do is walk people through but it's like anything it's like if you were going to show someone some advertising campaign you've worked on anything like that the context of what you're doing and providing your commentary and allowing people to ask questions as they're going through it allowing them as well to update it as you're going along i think they're all really valuable things but the visuality of it really helps so Simon so, mean, you've talked about a lot of different things
0: that go into the maps and I'm curious um is it just person A did this then person B did that do you what other kind of information do you capture do you capture you know duration who's the actors in the steps what their moods are what what's important to help communicate uh, the the real insights
2: yeah um so I'd always, you always start basic with a basic journey of like these are the these are the steps someone will go through in a journey. It's always your starting point. The stuff you add on top of that would be um, stuff like time, duration, and um, delays and stuff like that. But I mean, you'd only add that like as a, as, you know, an, an embellishment afterwards. It's, it's always about. I was, I, I always kind of like think of it like if you were to ask someone to show. Um, a map of England, draw a map of England um, and show where Liverpool and Grimsby are, um, they, they'd easily be able to, um, as long as they know like the geography of, of Britain, put Liverpool on the left-hand side of a piece of paper and Grimsby on the right-hand side. If you were to ask them about um, what's in the middle, I'm sure they'd be able to put somewhere like Sheffield and Manchester and Leeds and places like that as well. I think that's that's it, you know, those are the general sets. I think it gets a lot more interesting when we ask people to say, like, you know, what other paths they would take. So if I wanted to get from Liverpool to Grimsby, the roads I would generally go along would be the ones, you know, the, the, the main motorways that go into that. But if I zoom in what I find is, is that, you know, around like tea time, for example, around Leeds, if I was doing that, like the motorway gets really, really busy. So you start to understand like there's loads of like little roads off the back of that that I could take as back roads. Those are like the additional details I think that you add as like, as you start to zoom in, once you start to add things like time, and once you start to add things like the services and the channels that an organization has, those those are the details that you, you start to get into there. And time for me is like the biggest biggest player in this i think a lot of work that people do like misses it out as someone going through a journey my experience is like based on one one forward movement which is time that's my relationship with any service so if at any point i have a delay um and i'm not expecting that that feels like a pain point point. Um, and really a uh, common example is um you know you you, you all do two-factor authentication don't you and mm-hmm. you're yeah It'll say, I'm sending you a text message. And there's been times when like, I've been waiting like three minutes and you know I've probably hit resend code like three or four times. That's a big pain point in a service for that as well. And I'd want to note that down. In some cases like that, that'll be though because of like a technological issue. That's not because of like a situation I'm going through. Sometimes there are other things around that that, that delay um, service as well. So I, I had a blood test last week that's a service and um, I'm not a medical professional um, I need the help of a medical professional so I went for a blood test and if I'd gone for that blood test on the Tuesday I would have got the results on the Wednesday and I've had a chat with my doctor on the Wednesday but because I went on a Friday and they don't work on the fr- Friday uh, on the Saturday and Sunday on the Mondays when I get the test results back and that's when I get that thing so you know I, if I was doing a map I would consider that in some way, like this organization does not work on a Saturday and Sunday, so you need to factor that in. You know, working days is how an organization would think itself. But to me, as a person, that's two days of waiting. I've got to factor into that, and I think those are like the human sides of journeys that I'd want to like embellish onto onto a, a service map onto someone's journey. You're
0: making me feel very old, Simon, because you started talking about a delay of three minutes for, uh, for two factor. And yes, I totally have gotten frustrated with that as well. But all of a sudden I flash back to being a kid and having to send a self-addressed stamped envelope and wait six weeks. And now I feel like just having to get off my lawn and things like that. Anyway, anyway, totally moving on. Um, we think we have time for one more question and. So we've talked a lot about maps and the information that goes on to it. And you also talked a lot about uh, communicating the information and pulling out things and how you uh, share it and give people walk through and pull things out. I'm curious in the end, what is the most important thing? Is it the map itself? Is it the artifact or is
2: it the conversation that you have about the artifact? It's definitely the conversation. Um, my, one of my big fears around, um, service design is people will talk about maps and, um, we were talking about this earlier. Maps for me are a thing that you use for movement. They help you to get to places. It's about service designing. I feel that too much we use the maps just to, just to, just to basically, um, reflect a current situation. What we should be doing is using those maps as a, a catalyst for conversation to work out what it is we need to do. And then like, here, this is it for me. Like this is the other half of the work. We then get on and do that work. I think a lot of the stuff that comes up with service line is too much in this sort of research and analysis area. And it needs to move on to like, use the maps to kind of show like how we can do movement. And like Wardley maps for me are like a really great example of that. You know, you can show this is where something currently is. This is where we want to move something towards. And I think service maps should be a part of that as a service designer. More people need to be more, doing more of that designing. Like we've recognized a problem. What are we going to do to help make that problem work? And that catalyst for conversation is then like you get the right people together or the best people you can get together to recognize what can we do to change this situation and then get on doing the designing, but also get on with like the you know solving that problem really. So maps push us to do better. They're not just there as an artifact to reflect a situation. They're just a starting point.
0: Fantastic. Simon, thank you so much for everything. Well you were going to do that part. Sorry, I'm glad you I'm going to shut <laughs> up.
1: <laughs> and that is the quote of the episode. <laughs> thank you very much, Simon. It's been so nice talking to you this evening. You can say thank you, too, if you like.
2: <laughs> oh, do you want me to say thank you? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Not saying thanks to Randy, though. <laughs>
0: story of
2: my life. No, this is why I was
0: like working with him all the time
1: <laughs> so much information in that episode but all of it very inspiring and it's definitely making me want to dust off my sharpies and my post-it notes and get drawing
0: yeah I actually had whiteboard cravings during that conversation is is that weird? It's been a while since I sat with the team around a board plotting stuff out. And I miss it.
1: <laughs> Me too. Um, and I can't believe you're craving whiteboards, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> um, I have one big question for our listeners today. Has this episode made an impact on you and will you do anything new or different as a result of listening?
0: Uh, Lily, that's two questions. But yeah, it would be great to know if we're having a positive impact on your work. Do let us know. Uh, You can get us on the Twitters. You can get us all over the place. And we'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, we'll see you next week. Our
1: hosts are me, Lily Smith, and
0: me, Randy Silver.
1: Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor.
0: Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band PAU, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arne Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide.
1: If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.
0: Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share grinnings and tips.